When people go missing or are murdered, their loved ones are often desperate for media attention, hoping that it will lead to new information in the case. Some victims receive very little media coverage, some receive a lot, and then there are few that dominate headlines for weeks, months, or even decades. While this seems like a good thing, sometimes in the midst of sensationalised stories and tabloid speculation, the focus is taken off the victim and people forget there is a real family grieving the loss of their loved one. That is certainly true in the case we will be discussing today as we uncover the unsolved murder of Stuart Lobach. Hello and welcome to the 52nd episode of the Uncovered True Crime podcast. My name is Stephanie and we uncover different unsolved true crime cases, ranging from unsolved murders, missing persons, Jane and John Doe's and suspicious deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and other podcast streaming apps as well as on YouTube by searching Uncover True Crime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Uncover underscore pod, on Instagram at Uncover True Crime pod and you can join the Uncover True Crime discussion group on Facebook. But without any further ado, let's uncover the unsolved murder of Stuart Lobbock. Before I start uncovering this case, I do want to give a trigger warning as there will be discussion of sexual assault in this episode. If you feel that hearing details about this case may upset you, please turn off now or otherwise listen at your own discretion. Stuart Lubbock was born in either 1969 or 1970 and he lived in Harlow, a town located in Essex, England. He was divorced, had two children and was a supervisor at a meatpacking factory. That is literally all the information I have about his life and in my opinion the reason why there is very little publicly known about him is because of the people who were with him when he died. I will touch on why that is soon but for now let's uncover the circumstances surrounding Stuart's death. Stuart Lubbock died on the 31st of March 2001. The night before, he had been partying at a nightclub in Essex called Millennium, which is where he met a man called Michael Parker. Michael invited Stuart back to his home, an invitation which Stuart accepted. According to the taxi driver that drove them back to 4 Beaumont Park Drive, Michael allegedly said to Stuart, quote, I could do with a fuck right now, unquote. I'm assuming that Michael was flirting with Stuart or possibly coming on to him, but I don't know this for a fact since we have no context as to how or why Michael said this. I also don't know what Stuart's reaction to Michael allegedly saying this was, or if the two were alone in the taxi, or if other partygoers shared the taxi with them, as there were seven other partygoers at Michael's house that night. Those people were Jonathan Kenny, who was Michael's boyfriend, James Souter, Simon Shaw, Claire Jones, Kelly Campbell, Justin Merritt and Justin's sister Kylie Merritt. There were allegedly a lot of drugs at this party, particularly ecstasy and cocaine. James Footer claims to have seen Michael rubbing cocaine into the inside of Stuart's mouth and also claimed that Michael offered him drugs. Kylie also claimed to have witnessed Michael rubbing cocaine onto Stuart's gums, but said that Stuart had resisted this and pulled away from Michael. At an inquest that occurred years after Stuart's death, Michael refused to answer any questions about whether or not there were drugs in his home that night, and he denied giving any drugs to Stuart. Stuart arrived at the party at 2.47am and there's not a lot of information about what happened between then and 5.46am, which is when Stuart was found unresponsive, floating in the pool in Michael's garden. 
Justin Merritt called 999 and while the recording was released for the first time in a documentary last year, I don't think I'll be allowed to insert it for copyright reasons so I'm going to read the transcript of the call now. Operator. Where do you want the ambulance to come to please? Caller. Number 4 Beaumont Park Drive, Royden, Essex. Operator. Right, we'll get someone out for you. Caller. A geezer's drowned in the pool. Operator. Right. Sorry? Caller. A fella's drowned in the pool. Operator. Are they still in the water? Caller. No, I got them out. Operator. You've got them out. Caller. There's a party going on and, um, someone's just gone and found him. I tell you what, mate. The first time I've gone out in four fucking years. I have my kids every weekend and fucking hell. You don't expect it, do you? A little bit later in the call, the operator says... The ambulance is being turned round now. Caller. They're turning round. Operator. If you get someone out there ready. Caller. They're waiting out on the main road, mate. Operator. Yeah, right. Caller. Fucking hell, I think the geezer's dead, mate. When paramedics and police arrived on the scene, Stuart was only wearing boxer shorts and the house wasn't treated as a crime scene as it was assumed that this was a tragic accident. DCI Stephen Jennings admits that this shouldn't have happened, stating, quote, We did make mistakes in terms of the crime scene. A lot of witnesses said it was a tragic accident and we believed them at that point. Unquote. Stuart was rushed to Princess Alexandria Hospital, but he was pronounced dead at 8.43am. Michael didn't hang around for long after Stuart's body was found and left his house a short time later. Years later, he spoke about this decision, saying, quote, We went outside, looked down, and I didn't even know Stuart's name at the time. Just another member of the party, and he's there floating in the pool. First thing I did was run back into the house and get Jonathan, who I knew had life-saving experience, and the other guy came with him, and James jumped in because I can't swim, and the other one jumped in as well. I was starting to freak out. The girls started screaming when they saw he was just lying there, he wasn't moving much, and James said to me, Come away, there's nothing more you can do. I didn't run away. First thing I did was go and get help. I was standing there and instead of going, I should stay here, I went over to the lads down the bottom of the drive to their flat. As I went out, I called my PA, I never had a PR agent, and said, a guy's by the side of the pool, the ambulance has been called, if police need me, I'm in James's place at the bottom of the drive. I do find it difficult to talk about, not because I'm guilty of anything, but because I didn't do anything. I did a stupid thing, I walked away from the scene, but I'd already gone and got help to bring him out. Nothing happened to the guy there, unquote. Michael's behaviour after Stuart's body was found has been heavily criticised by the British public who are all too familiar as to who Michael is as he was a very popular celebrity back in 2001 when Stuart died. As most people listening to this from outside the UK will have absolutely no idea who Michael Parker is, I'm going to discuss him and his career now. Michael's legal name is Michael Parker, but as he is commonly known by his stage name Michael Barrymore, that is how I will refer to him going forward. He was born in 1952 and started his career in television when he was just 20 years old. He appeared on popular British TV game shows such as Blankety Blank and How Do You Do before being given his own show called Strike It Lucky in 1983. 
Strike It Lucky was a very popular game show which made Michael a lot of money and gave him a lot of fame and recognition. He was married to his manager Cheryl for over 20 years until their marriage came to an abrupt end after he publicly came out as being gay in 1995 while the pair were still married. Being gay wasn't nearly as accepted in 1995 as it is now but nonetheless Michael continued to have a very successful career even after allegations of sexual assault were made against him. In 1998 he was accused of raping a man in a nightclub but after no DNA evidence was found and CCTV footage seemed to disprove the man's version of offence, no further action was taken. In October 2000 another man said that after taking drugs and drinking alcohol with Michael he stayed over at his house. He said that he fell asleep fully clothed but woke up wearing just boxers and was suffering from anal bleeding. Police apparently did not believe his story and when they attempted to talk to him about it again in 2007, he refused to cooperate. In February 2001, just weeks before Stuart's death, a man reported to police that Michael had offered him drugs and then sexually assaulted him. The man will later confess to making this story up and was convicted of attempting to pervert the course of justice. Despite these allegations, Michael was at the height of his fame in 2001 and Stuart Loback's death was very quickly all over the tabloids and in the news, but the media focused more on Michael Barrymore than they did on Stuart. I understand that someone being found dead in a celebrity's pool is massive news that will obviously get a ton of media attention, but I think far too much focus has been put on Michael Barrymore and not on the real victim in this case. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, virtually nothing is known about Stuart's life and I think a lot of people have lost sight of the fact that his death is not just some piece of juicy celebrity gossip. He was a person. He had children, friends, family and people who cared about him. Stuart Lobick is lost in this story despite the fact that he is the victim and I wanted to take a moment to realise that someone lost their life that day and that's what everyone should be focusing on, not Michael Barrymore's fall from grace. The post-mortem examination on Stuart revealed that he had severe internal injuries, particularly to his anus. It was determined that he had been raped, presumably before he died, and that the injuries he had sustained would be consistent with him being raped with a swimming pool thermometer or a metal shed handle, both of which had mysteriously gone missing from Michael's house the day that Stuart died. Experts were not able to confirm Stuart's cause of death, but Professor Christopher Milroy has theorised that Stuart had, at some point, been held round the throat, but that he had likely drowned. I don't know if he was trying to imply that someone forced his head under the water and that's how he died, or if it was likely that he'd been held round the throat during the sexual assault. Stuart also had a high amount of alcohol, ecstasy, cocaine and amphetamines in his system, which, according to testimony given by Professor Robert Forrest, was high enough to cause Stuart's death alone. As is standard in all sudden and unexplained deaths in the UK, an inquest was held to try and piece together what had killed Stuart that night. Forensic pathologist Professor Jack Crane testified at the inquest, stating, quote, We have the death of a young man who, in my view, is not clear-cut. The injury this young man suffered were very severe and I do not believe they were a result of a consensual sexual act. That is why, in my report, I have said they were the result of a serious sexual assault. I did not rule out the possibility of asphyxiation or cardiac arrest during some sort of non-consensual sexual act. Why would a fit, healthy young man drown in a swimming pool? There must be other factors involved. 
unquote. He went on to say that it was possible that Stuart could have gone into shock from the injuries he sustained and this could have led to his heart stopping. Police officers also spoke at the inquest and it was clear that at least some of the people who had been at the party that night had been less than forthcoming with the police. DCS Ian McNeil testified that, quote, the investigation was very problematic. We have not had a coherent or consistent account from those who were at the party. I hope people over time will reconsider their position, unquote. As I mentioned earlier, Michael Barrymore refused to answer any questions at the inquest related to whether or not he was aware that there were drugs in his house that night, but Kylie Merritt and James Fisher refuted this, stating that they had both seen Michael trying to rub cocaine onto Stuart's gums. The inquest resulted in an open verdict, meaning that the jury deemed there was insufficient evidence to determine exactly how Stuart had died and the case was referred back to the police to investigate further. On the 5th of March 2002, the Crown Prosecution Service announced that, quote, there was no evidence upon any criminal court could conclude that there had been any wrongful act done by any person in relation to Stuart Lubbock's death or bodily injury, unquote. The investigation into Stuart's death was suspended until July 2006 when a review recommended that the case be reopened. The new investigation commenced in December of that same year and police leaned very heavily on Michael Barrymore as being their prime suspect. Court documents detailed how police believed that on the night that Stuart died, Michael had been, quote, sexually aggressive, unquote, had been under the influence of drugs and alcohol and that his story was different from others who were at that party, although they did admit that there was no evidence indicating that he had been near or in the pool around the time that Stuart was found. Another forensic pathologist, Dr Nathaniel Carey, examined Stuart's autopsy report and found that the injuries to Stuart's anus were deliberate and probably not caused by penile penetration, although it couldn't be completely ruled out. There are more specific details about what the assault could have consisted of, but I have decided not to go into it in this episode. It is graphic and could trigger some people, but needless to say, Stuart Lobuck was definitely raped. It was implied that the injuries could have happened post-mortem, but Dr Carey described this theory as, quote, quite absurd, unquote. During the investigation, a friend of Michael's ex-boyfriend, Jonathan Kenny, came forward and said that Jonathan had spoken to him about the fact that Michael had been coming on to Stuart very strongly at the party. Jonathan allegedly spoke to Michael about this and encouraged him to stop as Stuart was straight. This reportedly led to them having some kind of argument, but I don't know how heated it got or what Michael allegedly said in response. A few months later, Michael Barrymore, Jonathan Kenny, and Justin Merritt were all arrested on suspicion of raping and murdering Stuart, but no charges were filed. Terry Lobbock, Stuart's father, was not happy about this and tried to seek a private prosecution, but this was blocked due to lack of evidence. I'm not going to list off a bunch of theories in this episode because I think it is quite clear what the main and only theory in this case is. That someone at that party that night raped Stuart and he died as a result. Stuart's dad Terry is certain that Michael Barrymore was involved in his son's death, stating, quote, I would say to Michael, it is time now. I think you know Michael. You know more about this than you said. The focus now will be on you. It's time now for you to either clear your name or put your hands up to what happened. You must know. I'm absolutely sure. I know you are involved in this. There were reports about him not being there at that particular time and he has insisted that he doesn't know. I am absolutely sure he knows 100%. He's a clever man. 
He is a master manipulator. There's two sides to that man. A dark side and the side you see on television. Over the years, I've had a glimpse of his dark side. I think it's time that everyone sees that side of him. I hope that the penny will drop with everyone and they will question him and what he did that night. The police should have nailed it. He needs to put whoever killed my son in the spotlight. Unquote. DCI Jennings, one of the officers investigating this case, has said, quote, Let me be clear. I believe Stuart Lobick was murdered, and we will catch whoever did it. I don't think there's anyone else there, realistically, other than the eight people that were there on that night. Of the people arrested, no one has been eliminated from inquiries. We believe at least one person is responsible, but it could be two or more. I can't rule out a single individual being responsible, but on the balance of probability, there was more than likely more than one person involved. People get married, they have children, they settle down. The way they look at things can change. Loyalties can change. This is an awful lot to carry around for all those years. Hopefully someone will do the right thing. Unquote. Michael has been interviewed by Piers Morgan on his Life Stories series about Stuart's death and continues to deny any involvement. He told Piers, quote, I could not be more sad. I could not be more sorry that this event took place. It was at my house and they don't have all the answers as to how he got those injuries. Of course it goes through my head and I want things different. I wish I could change it for them. I fucked up. What more do you want? I fucked up. I was responsible for allowing people to come back to my home and to go into the pool. They were no children. Stuart was 31. You assume they were capable of looking after themselves. Unquote. I do want to say at this point that of course adults should be expected to quote unquote look after themselves. However, Stuart didn't just get a bit too drunk, a little bit too high and accidentally fall into a pool and drowned. It wasn't that he didn't look after himself. The man was raped and murdered. But anyway, let's get back to the information. In 2020, a documentary called Barrymore, The Body in the Pool was released on Channel 4, but Michael refused to participate in the show. He released a public statement that read, quote, I've been asked by various sections of the press to comment upon the Channel 4 documentary that is to broadcast tonight. As I've made clear to everyone, I am not able to comment because Channel 4 are refusing to show it to me or even let me know what it contains. However, I would say to anyone who would like to get to the truth of the matter that they should watch the ITV interview I did last year with Piers Morgan. He went into everything and left no stone unturned. The truth is I have always done everything that has ever been asked of me and I've cooperated with everyone. Essex Police's own QC has said that quote, we know that Michael Barrymore has had nothing to do with this and that there is no evidence linking him with the injuries to Stuart Lobick or the pool, unquote. I have had nothing to do with this whatsoever, yet I keep getting bashed and bullied by the media. I may comment further once I have seen the show go out later tonight. In the meantime, my heartfelt sympathies are with the Lobak family and I truly hope they find peace. And it is for that reason that I have consistently pressed on an independent police force to examine everything to do with the case and reach a proper conclusion and I shall continue to do so. 
unquote. It's very possible that Piers Morgan did ask him a lot of questions about Stuart Loback's death. However, that interview was only an hour long, so a lot of it would have been edited out. And I think that it is very, very convenient that Michael Barrymore wants everyone to look at an interview he did with Piers Morgan for information on the case. An interview where only he was being asked questions and he could put forth his narrative on what he wants people to believe happened at his house that night. I am not by any means stating that I think that Michael Barrymore committed a crime against Stuart Loback. I do not know that for certain, but I think for him to say that he is being bullied and bashed by the media is an absolute joke. From an outside perspective, it really seems like he is refusing to take responsibility for anything that happened in his house that night, and in my personal opinion, I do think that he knows more than he is letting on. But I would also like to state that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. I also want to make it clear that I have not seen the Channel 4 documentary, so I don't know exactly what was said in it. The reason I was unable to watch it was because a few months after it was broadcast, the police released a press conference stating that they had significant new information in the case and appealed for information related to Stuart's death as they were relaunching the investigation. It was at this time that Channel 4 took the documentary off of their on-demand service, which makes me think they were either asked or instructed to do this either by the police or the courts as I don't think that anything less would have made them take it down. On the 17th of March 2001, police announced that they had arrested a 50-year-old man in suspicion with murdering Stuart Lobick. His name has not been released publicly, and while I would assume that it is one of the men who were at the party that night, it wasn't Michael Barrymore that was arrested, as he is currently 69 years old. Just days before recording this episode, police submitted their file to the Crown Prosecution Service so they can determine any charges that might Need to be filed, but as of right now, the man has been released on police bail. This is a case I am sure there will be major updates on soon, and I will, of course, keep you all updated in any and all developments in this case. Stuart Lobick's case has continued to grip the public's interest even 20 years after he died, but just because justice has been delayed doesn't mean that justice will be denied. Unfortunately, Stuart's dad Terry has been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I really hope he lives long enough to find out what happened to his son as he has worked so hard for the last two decades to get justice for Stuart. Michael Barrymore's career took a serious nosedive after Stuart's death, and he became somewhat of a pariah in the entertainment business. Contracts were terminated, he lost a lot of work and his career has never recovered. In 2018, Michael Barrymore successfully sued Essex Police for unlawful arrest and claimed that the arrest, quote, destroyed his career, unquote. The judge said that Michael was only entitled to a nominal amount of money, although following an undisclosed agreement, Michael will not receive any compensation from Essex Police. I think it's safe to say that Michael Barrymore's career was destroyed the day that Stuart Lomack died, and his tragic and senseless death is what we all should be focusing on. This case is about the end of someone's life not the end of someone's career. If you have any information on the circumstances surrounding Stuart Lobick's murder, please contact the Essex Police on 101. All photos and sources related to today's case can be found on our website, uncoveredtruecrimepodcast.co.uk. That's everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening till the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.